0: Wow, and that wow. So that that must have been a huge, courageous step for you. Then, like you say, to 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 come to that conclusion and then to say you're going to walk away from it. Because I I feel many of us in our lives have those identity crises, regardless of where they're at or where they're hurt. or am I on purpose? What is going on in my relationship? So, to be able to do that at a young age was it? What did you think about it? Was it freeing? Was it simple? Or at that point, you were like, "Wow, I realize here if I." move on. There's no going back kind of thing.
1: Yeah. It was extremely terrifying at that age because your whole security blanket is your religion and, Oh, everyone else here believes what I believe. So that's my sense of security in life. You know, I have certainty that I'm going to heaven when I die because everyone else does too. So it's like, am I willing to abandon all of that certainty that these people give me in this religion? And then am I willing to know that all my friends probably most of my family are going to denounce me as a heretic if I tell them what I really believe. So like, it was a probably a three or four year journey before I finally pulled the plug. Cause even before I got that job, I had gone to college at Oral Roberts university in Oklahoma and was already kind of red pilled out of religion then. And was like, man, I, I got to figure out what I believe. Cause so much of what mm-hmm. is being taught at this school, I definitely don't believe. And so the, the church I worked at was kind of the last straw that broke the camel's back. And it was really just the amount of time it took to gather the courage to leave and, and understand like, okay, I'm about to blow up my whole life. That's fine. I'll, I'll rebuild it at some point. It may take a few years, but you know life will go on. But it was really the internal conflict of getting up every day, hearing the same things over and over that I totally disagreed with and did not resonate in my heart with. And that internal conflict became so insufferable that I was like, whatever price I have to pay to get out of here, you know, I'm willing to pay. Yeah, no, got it. And then that led you to,
0: you mentioned two things earlier, the dark night of the soul, your own dark night of the soul and your own spiritual awakening. Can you, can you touch on those? And, and I'm always fascinated as well, that do you need to have a dark night of a soul to have a spiritual
1: awakening? That's a good question. You know, I, I never want to give a unilateral answer to anything, but it almost feels like you do just because the nature of the universe, right, is, is we need polarity to understand anything. So we can't really know the light until we've seen the darkness because then the darkness gives meaning to the light. So I'm certain that there's been people who've had spiritual awakenings who maybe didn't have a dark night of the soul, but I think it's probably very rare like the exception. And for me, it was the dark night of the soul of, is God real? Is there life after death? You know, Is there meaning to my existence? Those were the really like existential questions that I, I wanted answers for, but I didn't want to fool myself and just like pat myself on the back with some nice answer and say, oh yeah, there's meaning, don't worry. It was like, no, I need to know what's true. Even if the truth is terrifying, as long as I know what's true, I'll be happy. Or at least I can die in peace or something, right? And I sort of had to question my own sanity too, for a while, because I had had such a deep and intimate relationship with the divine as a Christian. I would talk to God. I, I experienced miracles and the supernatural all the time. And so when I deconstructed the, you know monolithic, monotheistic version of God, it was like, who have I been talking to this whole time? Who, whose love have I been feeling, you know, what miracles have been manifesting, like from what power did those things come from? And that's, that's why I think I found answers so quickly is that for the first time I wasn't sticking to a rigid viewpoint of something, but it was like, I just want to know what's true, man. I don't care if, what it is. I don't care if it goes against everything I believed before. And when you come to the universe with that kind of humility, you get answers pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So the depression was this ongoing feeling of hopelessness. And, you know, I think what happens as you're about to really awaken is that the ego will throw everything plus the kitchen sink at you to try to get you to identify again. But I'd I'd been listening to enlightenment teachings for like three or four years solid. And so I understood like there is no separate self, the ego is an illusion, but I had no experience of it and I was still fully identified as the body, as the person So the ego was doing whatever it could to keep me in identification with it. And it was this life is hopeless, just end yourself. There's no reason to be here. What's the purpose of it all? And like deep down, I knew these thoughts were lies, but you know how it is when you're suffering from depression like that. It just seems to be so real. It feels so real. And you're just giving reality to those ideas. So it was this part of me that knew like these horrible thoughts are not based in truth that I think led me to the awakening. Cause I think if I had given into them fully and conceded to them, I universe might've honored that free will and just let me terminate the incarnation or whatever. But it was like, no, there's something in me that knows there's a higher truth than this, that there's no way that this is the ultimate truth of reality, hopelessness and meaninglessness. You know. So what had happened was I was working at Google at the time as a personal trainer. And I would go up to this balcony above my gym on my lunch break to listen to Eckhart Tolle while I had my lunch and I would just kind of watch the clouds and just listen to Eckhart. And it was the only time in my day where I felt like I had peace of mind and I felt some stillness and stuff. So I was going up there every day for three or four months, I think. And one particular day for no apparent reason, I was listening to a particular lecture where Eckhart was Mimicking things the ego says to us and then laughing at them. Uh, Something like, if only people would recognize how special I am, then I would truly be happy. And then he would laugh. And the audience was laughing with him. And so I started laughing and he did like four or five of them in a row. He would pause in between and then say the next one. So I was like really laughing at this idea of, wow, That is exactly what my ego says to me every day. It's these same exact stories. And I was like, wow, it's it's like we all have the same ego that has the same agenda and says the same things to us. And when I had those thoughts, I sort of like laughed myself into a kind of sudden enlightenment where I, I gained a actual experience of these truths. I had come to know conceptually that there is no separate self. You are not the voice in your head. I, I gained experience of that. Uh, the way I describe it is like what I thought was was me talking to myself of I'm so depressed, I'm so sad. All of a sudden it was a tape recorder on a loop, just playing and there was nobody actually there saying it or believing it. I realized, oh, it's it's absolutely nothing. I've just been giving reality to an illusion And so I just experienced a kind of two week period from that point of incredible oneness and expansiveness into reality, where I just saw the the true nature of reality beyond the, the separate self of there's just one being here. And I am that being and everyone's that being. And it's just knowing itself in an infinite variety of forms. And it's like the most beautiful, wonderful thing that could ever be imagined is what's happening. And so... I spent two weeks like that um, until I woke up on day 14 and looked at my phone when my alarm went off and I noticed it had been two weeks to the day. I'd been in this kind of Samadhi state and the first egoic thought came back online and it said, wow, it's been two full weeks. I wonder if I'm enlightened now. And I didn't catch that that was the ego coming back, trying to claim that state you know, there's, an, there's a person who is enlightened, right? And uh, so I, I was thinking about that during the day. Oh, I wonder if I'm enlightened now. And um, like, is this enlightenment? And then slowly the old thoughts came back into the mind and I felt that state slipping away and I couldn't hold on to it. It was like a bar of soap or something. And it was so devastating to lose that state after two weeks of it absolutely unbroken, you know, floating in bliss for two weeks and then crashing back down into the dark night of the soul. It made the dark night even worse because now I had tasted the alternative and lost it, like being kicked out of heaven and sent back to hell again. But that was the gift that the universe gave me, that it, it created in me such a burning desire to return to that state again. It was like, nothing else matters in my life <clears throat> other than this because now I have undeniable proof, right? That that state of consciousness is absolutely real. Because I got to live in it for two full weeks. Nobody can tell me that state of consciousness wasn't real. It was the most real thing I'd ever experienced. It was like I woke up from a bad dream and went, Oh, I was just dreaming. It was nothing. You know, this is reality. And so that's when, you know, I started finding like a Course in Miracles, The Law of One, and universe led me to texts and teachers that gave me. The ability to walk myself back into the remembrance of how to actualize and permanently reside in that state of liberation. And probably around you know a year and a half to two years after that experience is when I started making videos on YouTube, um, not from a standpoint of wanting or thinking I was going to be a teacher at all. It was just like, man, I'm so passionate about this and I've gained so much help from these understandings and these truths that Surely, if I make some videos, it's going to help somebody out there, you know?
0: Yeah, no, thank you for sharing. Question I kept just jumping in, jumping in while, while you were talking there is that um, when you were having that experience or before you had it, were you pushing for it? Were you seeking it? Were you just allowing? Did it come unexpectedly? Because what I see so often, and I, I was guilty of this as well, is you go chasing the experience, wanting to have this experience, and then that one thing is then actually allowing you to bypass everything that you need to be working with that's going on for you. Yeah. And we, we miss the point quite often. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We keep putting ourselves back as a, a character on a journey to arrive somewhere. And that's what keeps us out of that state because it's just what is our natural state without, illusions and distractions of the mind, you know? So to answer your question, um, no, I, I was not really pushing for that at that point in my life because it still felt so far away. It felt sort of like a pipe dream, but it still was my magnificent obsession because I was suffering so much. And then listening to these, you know, teachings and, and books that talk about this final liberation from suffering that's possible. And it was like, wow, you know, I, I, I hope that's true, but I don't really feel like it's possible. And uh, the experience that happened at 27 was very much a shock because I did not expect that I would have ever tasted it at that point in my life. It felt like a million miles away. So that's part of why it was such a disorienting experience. Um, I would not have been able to explain to anybody verbally what was going on in my mind at that point because I'd never tasted it before. Um, so, you know, teaching, it wouldn't have been possible at that point. It was just like, wow, what has happened to me and why is life so wonderful all of a sudden?
0: Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. And when, when did you leave Google then? Was that another big moment in your life? When, cause when you have an experience like that, how do you then turn up for work the next day? Oh yeah. Cause oh, that, yeah. that was the problem I was having, you know, it's like, oh, how, you know, are you
1: integrated? Oh, integrate dude. it? After that experience wore off and the the suffering came back, man, I went up to the same seat every day, got the same meal, listened to the same Eckhart lecture. Okay. Any minute now, you (laughs) know, enlightenment will dawn again. Um, and it never did. One thing that was interesting though, was that I learned that if I smoked cannabis, uh, it would bring me back into that state. Like as it was starting to wear off and i was like realizing oh no the old sad person's coming back and this state of heavenly perfection is leaving me i would i would smoke cannabis and it was like fully back again while i was high and so like for a probably a month solid i was high 24/7 at work like i didn't want to ever be sober because it would take me out of that state again but that was what created the fear in the back of my mind of like no, this state is leaving you, and I'm coming back to get you. And I have a lot of vengeance, you know, against you now for what you just did to me for those two weeks. It felt like I locked my my ego in a broom closet or something for two weeks, and it finally like wiggled its way out, and it was coming for blood, you know. And it did. It, it made my life even worse than it was before because it had so much more um, of a story to weaponize against me. Of like, ah you were given a free sample of enlightenment. You couldn't even hang on to it. You weren't worthy of it. You got kicked out because you're not enlightened enough, man. It's it's not for you in this life. It was just a little transient experience you had. This is your life now. It's you and me in pain and nothing else. Like That was the voice in my mind. Hmm. But thankfully, again, I, I had glimpsed freedom from that voice. And so I kind of knew in my awareness, like, this whatever this voice is is actually just very threatened about what just happened, and so it's doing what it can to convince me that I'm powerless against it and stuff. So it was really when I found a course in miracles that started describing the ego more that I was like, oh, this makes perfect sense. It's all based in illusions, and it just needs me to buy into those illusions to have power over me, right?
0: Right, and then and then you
1: left Google. Is that what happened after? Yes. Yeah. I left in uh, August of 2019. I just sort of felt like my time in California was up and uh, I grew up in Colorado for four years of my life and always kind of knew I wanted to go back there at some point. And so I just felt like um, it's really hard to survive in the Bay Area as a single person, first of all. And I was just getting tired of the rat race every day. So I felt a strong calling to move to Colorado. And I just went, I'm just going to follow that that voice. And so I just quit my job, which was definitely scary at the time, because it was a good enough paying job that I could do what I loved for a living and make a decent living out of it. And I didn't know what I was going to do in Colorado, but saved up some money, quit my job and just drove out to um, to Boulder and got an apartment and just started my life over. And that's when like my career sort of took off almost overnight from that point.